1: Everyone loves a good invention, something that took time to design and engineer to solve a particular problem. Come up with an idea that scratches an itch, and people will line up to buy it in droves. Some are novel, like liquid paper or the super soaker, while others change the world, like the television or the printing press. But some inventions aren't inventions at all. They're simply ingenious ways to use existing products. And even though nobody spent thousands of dollars building a prototype, that doesn't make these products any less useful. Perhaps no one knows the utility of a common everyday item better than Ed Lowe. Lowe was born in 1920 in St. Paul, Minnesota. Several years later, his family up and moved everyone to Cassopolis, Michigan, just over the border from Indiana. When he was in his 20s, Lowe enlisted to serve in World War II and returned home in 1946 to work for his father Henry who owned a company that sold blocks of ice and absorbents, such as sawdust, to local customers. The company sold another kind of absorbent as well. It was called Fuller's Earth, a type of clay used to clean up oil and grease. In some cases, it has been used to save people from being poisoned, as the clay is able to mop up and break down certain chemical agents in the stomach. One day in January of 1947, a friend of Lowe's named Kay Draper approached him with a problem. She had a roommate who went to the bathroom in a tray lined with ashes. When the roommate was finished doing their business, they tracked soot throughout the house, leaving footprints everywhere. She asked Lo for sand to fill the pan instead. She had her own, but it had been so cold outside that her sand pile had frozen solid. It had been her reason for switching to ashes in the first place. Unfortunately, sand presented its own set of issues. It would track everywhere too and be just as messy as the ashes that she was currently using. So instead, Lowe suggested that she use Fuller's Earth. The clay material was far more absorbent and wouldn't leave a residue all over her floors. He gave her a bag of it from the trunk of his car and then didn't think anything more about it. Mrs. Draper returned sometime later and asked for another bag. The first had worked wonders. Her roommate no longer left her floors soot-stained or sandy. You see, Kay Draper's roommate was a cat, and Ed Lowe had just given her the first-ever bag of kitty litter. He had originally tried to market it as a type of poultry litter that was more sanitary than the usual stuff, which was made of feathers, chicken feces, excess feed, and other bedding material. Like the chickens it was meant to help, however, that product really didn't fly. But Mrs. Draper saw how useful it was for her. Once Low realized that he had a hit product on his hands, he bagged up more clay, wrote the words kitty litter across the front of each bag, and took them to a local store to sell. The shop owner refused. No one was going to pay $0.65 for a five-pound bag of clay when they could spend a penny on a bag of sawdust instead. But Lowe was sure that what he had was better than sawdust. He told the owner to give away the bags to his customers. It didn't take long for those same customers to come back clamoring for more. And $0.65 was just fine to them. Despite selling out at one store, Lowe's product was anything but an overnight success. He didn't cross a million dollars in sales until eight years later. Eight years of trade shows, convention halls, and good old face-to-face marketing as a traveling salesman. But it eventually got him over that hump. He even went to cat shows and volunteered to clean the litter boxes with his own product just to show how absorbent it was and how it killed odors. Eventually, his kitty litter became a nationwide phenomenon. He secured hundreds of patents, trademarks, and copyrights, and single-handedly created an industry worth almost $3 billion today. It may have started out as just a pile of clay, but Ed Lowe managed to turn his product into the cat's pajamas.
0: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health.
1: and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, intui to start living yours. Let's get into it. It's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. If you tell people that you're going to do something, it's expected that you do it, right? To try and fail means that you've at least put in the attempt, even if it didn't turn out the way that you hoped. To never make a try at all makes you a disappointment in the eyes of those who supported you. But to lie about your accomplishment, to make people think that you've done it when in reality you haven't done anything at all, well, you better hope they never find out. Donald Crowhurst told people that he was going to sail around the world. What actually happened was far stranger. Crowhurst lived in British India until he was 15 years old when his family left to return to England. It had been a rough childhood for him. His father died one year after returning to England, and for the next five years, Crowhurst served as the apprentice to the Royal Aircraft Establishment, after which he became a pilot for the Royal Air Force. For unknown reasons, though, he left the RAF to pursue a career in the Army. But that didn't last long either, as he was implicated in an incident involving a stolen car. By 1962, he had started his own electronics business and married a woman named Claire O'Leary. It seems the hijinks of his youth were behind him, and he had settled down to become a family man. On the weekends, he would go sailing and build small gadgets to help him on the water. One such device was called the Navigator, which relied on radio signals to pinpoint a boat's location. Crowhurst used it on his own vessel and thought that it might be a big seller among the wider sailing market. Unfortunately, it didn't take off the way he had hoped, and the money he desperately needed to keep himself and his business afloat just wasn't coming in. But an opportunity soon presented itself that would lift the struggling entrepreneur out of the red and into the history books. It was a race, sponsored by the British Sunday Times, that pit sailing experts and amateurs against each other. Their goal? To circumnavigate the globe single-handedly. The grand prize was 5,000 pounds— about 75000 American dollars by today's standards. Competitors had to begin their voyage any time between June 1st and October 31st of 1968. Crowhurst had a boatyard in Norfolk build his boat, a 40-foot-long trimaran dubbed the Tenmouth Electron. Sponsorship money was meager, and the deadline to leave was closing in, so corners were cut to finish the boat on time. He finally set out on the last day possible according to the rulebook, But his rushing and his lack of funds meant that many of the boat's safety features just weren't completed. He departed on Halloween from the seaside town of Tenmouth in Devon, England. Right away, it was clear that he was not cut out for a trip around the world, especially by himself. His pace was dismal. He was traveling at half the speed necessary to keep up with the other contestants. And he was still fixing things as he was going, including leaks in the boat itself. Based on his logs from the event, Crowhurst believed that even then he had a 50-50 shot at even finishing the race alive, let alone winning. He had to come up with a plan, and fast. Otherwise, he was liable to die on board within the next several weeks. After more than two months without any updates that left his family desperate for a glimmer of hope that he was okay, Crowhurst radioed in that he had covered 243 nautical miles in a single day. It was a record. Just not a real one. He had come up with an elaborate ruse early in his trip, one that had him turning off his radio and hanging out in the South Atlantic for just a few months. After some time, he would show up in England as though he had completed the whole trip. He didn't expect a win. In fact, he wanted to make sure of it, as his falsified logs wouldn't be looked at too closely if he came in at last place. But Crowhurst put about as much thought into fabricating his navigation logs as he did into the preparation for the race itself. His times and dates were all wrong, claiming that he was sailing to certain locations much more quickly than could reasonably have been expected. But he didn't care. In one of his last transmissions, he told his family and race officials that he was near the southern tip of Africa. And then, in July of 1969, the truth came out. His boat was discovered drifting in the mid-Atlantic by another ship. Almost everything was still on board, including his maps, navigational charts, And the doctored logs that he'd left behind. Crowhurst, however, was nowhere to be found. It's believed that he took his own life at sea. His logs were filled with the words of a man who, according to some biographers, could not live with the guilt of committing fraud nor the reality of coming clean and losing everything. He wrote rambling diatribes and imaginary arguments between himself and God, signs that his mental state was crumbling the closer he got to the end of the race. Donald Crowhurst's body was never found. The last thing he said to his son before he left on that fateful day in October was, look after your mother, as if he'd known all along that he wasn't coming home. He just wanted to show the world and his family that he could do what he set his mind to do. Instead, he was swallowed whole by his own stubbornness, allowing the ocean to claim one more poor soul. you